Welcome back to Commodity Conversations by Mercado for your weekly update on all the key trends in agricultural markets. I'm Olivia Agar and today joined by Robert Herman and we're going to cover off on a few different things today. We'll talk about how consumer confidence is affecting fibre markets. We'll look a bit ahead past this season for grain and the gap between local cattle markets and the global prices. First though, a quick thank you to our sponsor for this week's episode. For those who are looking to partner with an agribusiness specialist to optimise your cross-border and foreign exchange risk management, our partners at Western Union Business Solutions equip you with the solutions you need to send, receive and manage your international payments. We'd be more than happy to put any of our listeners in touch with the team at Western Union Business Solutions. So, Rob, I might just kick off uh, with cattle today and get straight into it. Uh, so we saw that the Eastern Young Cattle Indicator lifted to another record this week. It was just slightly up on last week, but still a record nonetheless. And to no one's surprise, that was driven by strong restocker demand, particularly out of the southern half of the country. Um, and currently that means that it's sitting at the largest premium to the 90CL since January 2017. Uh, and the 90CL for any new listeners is the benchmark price for Australian grinding beef that gets exported to the US. So we use that as a bit of a, a benchmark to represent uh, the global cattle market prices. One thing that Jamie Lee looked at on Mercado this week was that the 90CL has actually been tracking sideways for a while. So it hasn't been doing a lot of movement in, in recent weeks, but uh, the Steiner report out of the US has been saying that supply concerns has really been holding that 90CL product firm, um, especially as Australian slaughter levels in Australia are sitting at about 30,000 head below last year's levels. And so while overall beef cattle slaughter in the US is it's nearly recovered from those uh, COVID-19 slowdowns in processes and shutdowns, um, but really interesting, though, it's actually been an uptick in the U.S. milk price during July that's been impacting the volume of cow grinding beef on the market. So dairy farmers have been holding on to more cows and that's causing slaughter in the sector there to dip uh, things about 10% year on year. But with the milk prices now on their way back up, these, um, these cattle are likely to hit the market uh, sometime soon. So we might see a bit of pressure on, on those markets there um, in the coming weeks. That's a pretty interesting summary to see that dairy farmers in the US are impacting on, um, on our cow prices because that's where the 90CL products mainly come from, Liv. It's, it all sounds a bit fragile though, doesn't it? I mean, we're, we're seeing higher prices all the time at a time when everywhere else we're hearing a bit of doom and gloom. I just wonder what happens next. I mean, do we continue to see local producers you know stocking up uh, I, I also noticed that i think jamie lee said that heavy steers were dearer again too so it's not just the restocking that's driving the market now it's also meat prices yeah it's quite amazing actually that they have been able to defy the global market for so long I and mean, we're sort of just sitting around waiting for the impact to hit but the, the local conditions here are just driving it to, to new records, basically, and, and making it ignore the, the prices going into export markets. So especially with, you know, the Australian dollar trending upwards um, each week, it, it's got to come to a point, really, that processes just can't handle the prices where they are at the moment and, and start to filter back through 
through the chain to uh, the domestic values. We also had, um, it's not as though we're, the supply didn't increase because this week, yardings and slaughter rates on the uh, numbers on the East Coast both rose. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So we are still getting the, um, you know, it's down, definitely slaughtered down, you know, compared to other times, but we're certainly seeing some come onto the market this week. Well, I might switch across, um, change tack a little bit. Uh, that's, I mean, that's the really good news, I guess, uh, to see the cattle market so strong and, uh, and it's giving cattle producers a lot of confidence. Um, we've been talking about wool for quite some time and uh, I was really interested in the, the analysis that Andrew Woods put up this week where he looked at um, what other fibres are doing. So we know that wool has to compete in a, in a global market, it has to compete with a lot of other fibres and um, we, we were noting that there's about, globally there's about a million tonnes of, of wool produced a year. But just to put it in perspective where wool sits, there's about 3 million tonnes of cotton sitting in stocks. And the forecast for cotton stocks is that they will actually grow by another million tonnes. Now, we've got nowhere near that amount of stocks, although we do have a growing stock of grower wool, and we've talked about that. But the, um, the point, I suppose, is that these other fibres um, are all being hit too. The disappointing thing is that the two natural fibres, cotton and wool, have been hit hardest. And the main reason behind that, Liv, is that synthetics can actually turn the tap off. They can slow down. Um, they just don't produce as much or they store it and don't sell it, whereas wool keeps coming. And we know that, in, and, and so does cotton to some degree, but wool especially because we know that farmers are, are producing and shearing wool all year round and it keeps coming to the market. And so we've had that problem of, um, of supply keeping on flowing while demand is just hasn't been able to absorb it. And this week, we only sold about 18,000 bales. It was a smaller offering, so the pass-in rate wasn't as bad. But um, the, the, the fact is that demand is actually well below where supply is. And if we're, not going, if we're going to have a, at the end of the year, live, we're going to have not a really massively increase in stocks, then we've got to sell about 40,000 bales a week for the next, um, the weeks ahead as the spring shearing comes in. Yeah, and it's really quite a concern that with such a small offering this week, we still saw the market heading lower. And you know, I think next week there's around 30,000 bales due for offering. So how, how the prices respond when that comes onto the market is going to be a, a real test for it. We were talking to a group of Western Australian brokers during the week, and, and this is the real conundrum because on the one hand, we don't really want farmers to be selling 40,000 bales a week. I mean, we know the market just can't handle that. It's probably 20 to 25,000 about its limit right now. So we really don't want the market flooded with fresh wool. But the flip to that is that we don't want wool building in stocks because while the impact of flooding the market right now would be to see you know, prices being under even greater pressure, the impact of stockpiling wool into the future is that that wool has to be sold. And we're now getting to the point where there'll be about 2.3, 2.4, 2.5 million bales by the end of this calendar year available to the trade. So that's fresh wool plus stocks. In the last 10 years before COVID, without COVID, we actually were able to sell 2 million bales. So it's, it's a very difficult situation for wool at the moment. Yeah, it must be 
very difficult for the brokers out there to try and advise their clients on what they should be doing when we really don't know whether where it's going to be heading. No, the, the one other factor that came to light, and I know the, all the wool market is down, but we had been talking for some time about fine wool being under real pressure. Um, there weren't any premiums in the market, and that related back to the drought where the percentage of fine wool was increased um, unrealistically almost because of the drought. So hunger fine wool was coming onto the market and that was impacting on, on the fine wool markets. It was just oversupplied. Now that drought impact has started to diminish and will continue to diminish because we've got really good seasons. And what we're seeing now is that the fine wool premiums are getting back to where we would see them as a comfortable level. And we looked at the 16 micron, or Andrew Woods looked at the 16 micron premium over 19 microns, and it's back to what would be considered normal. Now, what this means, I think, for the future is, and if we take an optimistic view of where we're going, um, is that the, the market, when it recovers, will see that recovery even great, more greatly amplified in, um, in fine wool. And that'll be a good thing for the fine wool producers. Yeah, absolutely. Getting back to more normal levels, I guess, going forward. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. And, um, and, and again, some incentive for people to continue to produce fine wool. And what about grain? What's, the, what's been happening in grain markets? Well, it's a good question. I mean, I think the grain market is, it has found its level. We know now that Australian grain prices are at export parity. And what that means is that puts a real floor under the market as to where it is now, I think. So it's going to mean that the export, uh, the, the big exporters are going to really crank up in trying to actually build volume out of the Australian ports this year. So when you've got a good crop coming, and we know that there's a, the crop is in very good order, and your prices worldwide are competitive, then um, it means we're going to export a lot of grain. This week, Liv, we saw that the US farmers are being given a price signal based on these lower prices, and we think that will impact on what they intend to do next year. And the signal is that if you look at the forward price for the crop they're about to plant, the forward price is telling them that it's about a dollar per pound below cost of production. So if you think about it from that farmer's point of view, he can do two things. He can either plant and not forward sell and, and take a risk and hope that things work out all right, or he, can, um, or he could plant and forward sell and lock in a loss, which wouldn't be the smartest thing, or he can see what else he can do. And we often see that markets provide these signals to producers and that's something that's happening now. So we'll watch it very carefully because what it may mean is, is that the big supply of grain in the world starts to get, uh, firstly, it gets eaten up because consumption is, is strong still, consumption is going well, but we may see a pullback in production. And if that coincided with some areas in the Northern Hemisphere having a bad season, Liv, we might see prices come back again. Yeah, do you know what, What's driving those signals? Is it that there's a, a higher planting predicted for, for this coming crop or is it less demand out of one of the major consumers? Well, it's, it's a good question, Liv. The, I think if we do, there's a whole lot of reasons, but corn is a great one to look at because there's such a strong signal there. In, in the US especially, corn, 30% of corn goes towards stock feed, 30% goes to human consumption and 30% goes to ethanol. Now, on the stock feed front, there's quite a lot of stock on feed, so that's going well. On the human side, consumption side, that's okay too. 
but it's the ethanol side that's really letting this letting the market down and so we're seeing that feed back into the prices the, the reason we in Australia look at corn and, and soybeans and wheat in the Northern Hemisphere is that really our markets are going to follow those leads. They're going to be impacted by them. So I think what we're going to see is that, that, that our prices are where they are for this year, I think. I think they're, they've got some sort of flaw in them with export parity. But next year, when this crop comes in in the Northern Hemisphere, suddenly we might see that supply drops away a bit and that would be a stimulus for prices. So looking longer down the in the short term, our prices are where they are for grain, and that is unlikely to change dramatically in, in leading up to harvest. But further out, we might just see that the market starts to improve on the back of reduced stocks and reduced supply. Well, that's a bit of insight into what's ahead perhaps for, for grain markets. So thank you very much for, for that today, Rob, and we'll, we'll leave it there. But thanks again to all our listeners for tuning in for another week of Commodity Conversations. We'd really appreciate if you could share this podcast with your friends and family and get our um, listeners out there and spread across more people. So we hope you all have a great week and we'll talk to you next week.